Good afternoon. Some of you may have stopped at the lower church where you saw some panels describing uh, Eucharistic miracles that have happened over the centuries uh, around the world. From time to time, individuals in, in moments of doubt or crisis have been confronted with the truth and the mystery of the Holy Eucharist through a manifestation of the Lord in this sacrament, a manifestation that defies a scientific explanation, where bread has become physiologically human flesh, the flesh of Christ, or the wine spilled over is found to be true human blood. I think of the miracle that happened in Santarim and Portugal in the 13th century of a woman who decided to steal a sacred host from the local church. And that was not good. Uh, but the host suddenly turned into blood in the napkin that she had covered over with it. She was told to return it to the church. Eucharistic miracles have been discovered the world over. Uh, these days, we have several panels downstairs describing different Eucharistic miracles, uh, beginning with um, the visits of the Angel of Peace to the three children of Fatima before Mary's arrival to them. Uh, you could look at those. Uh, they're designed to really have your faith stirred or renewed in the truthfulness of this sacrament. Also, in the gift shop, you will find a, a red paperback book titled Eucharistic Miracles of the World for a more in-depth reading or study of these phenomena, if you wish. So, as you know, the narrative, uh, prior to Our Lady's visits with the shepherd uh, children, you recall that they were prepared, or obliged to be prepared, and on one occasion to receive their first Holy Communion from the angel, to prepare them for the divine messages forthcoming from Our Lady that would be given them to announce to the world. It is the true Jesus that Our Lady has shown the world with the Fatima phenomena. It is the Lord in his sacrament through which we beg pardon and intercession and make reparation for the indifference and sin that overtakes our lives and indeed the world of our day. So these Eucharistic panels, and there are many, many more of them, uh, Dave Carollo tells me that as things open up more, more of the panels will be displayed. There are just several of them right now in the downstairs um, Chapel of the Blessed Sacrament. It is the Lord in his sacrament through which we beg pardon and intercession. These miracles are designed to stir faith. In Sister Lucia's own words, uh, as I quote them to you, 
She says, as I have already written in my accounts, uh, we went one day from a small olive grove belonging to my parents and making our way along the slope of the hill, we said our rosary there and the prayer that the angel had taught us at the first apparition. And while we were there, the angel appeared to us for the third time, holding a chalice in his hands with a host above it, from which some drops of blood were falling into the sacred vessel. Leaving the chalice and the host suspended in the air, the angel prostrated himself on the ground and repeated this prayer three times. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, I adore thee profoundly. I offer thee the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, the sacrileges, and indifference with which he has offended. By the infinite merits of the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I beg of thee the conversion of poor sinners. Then Lucia goes on saying, then rising, the angel once more took the chalice and the host in his hand. He gave the host to me and to Jacinta and Francisco who gave the contents of the chalice to drink, saying as he did so, Take and drink the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Horribly outraged by ungrateful men, repair their crimes and console your God. Once again, the angel prostrated himself on the ground and repeated with us three times more the same prayer, most holy trinity, thereafter. And then he disappeared. So how like a mother to prepare her children with proper nourishment before the tasks at hand? And in this instance, of course, for the three children, the suffering ordeal that was to come for them. Praise be Jesus Christ. That night of his arrest and arraignment before the authorities, uh, Jesus gave us a ritual whereby he could be remembered by us and that ignominious sacrifice that he was about to undergo. He left us this gift as a pledge of his abiding presence with us. He begged his disciples not to forget him and to repeat the same ritual in his memory. This is my body, and this is my blood of the new covenant. You notice that Jesus did not say, uh, let's pretend that this is my body and blood, nor did he say, this represents my body and blood, or this symbolizes my body and blood. He said two short declarative sentences with the authority of God. This is my body 
take and eat it. And this is the chalice of my blood to be poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Sometimes we are hardly aware how powerful this ritual is that we call the sacrifice of the Mass in the forgiveness of sins, our sins and the sins of many. Henceforth, the Church celebrates the Eucharist as a sacred recall of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. In the Mass, that sacrifice of our redemption becomes present sacramentally, mystically. Something takes place on that altar that only God can do. We come to Mass often burdened by our own sins and the sins of our children and indeed the sins of the world. Sensitive as we are to the riches of this unbloody worship of the new covenant, repeated every day in places around the Catholic world. Thank you for being here today. Thank you most of all for your devotion to our Lord and our Lady. I cannot but think how grateful Mary, the Mother of God, is to you and your devotion to both her Immaculate and her Son's sacred heart. May special graces abound for each of you for your faith and your prayer. So the angel said to the three children, repair their crimes and console your God. Repair their crimes and console your God. We speak today of Eucharistic reparation as a theme underlying the Fatima Catechesis towards a better understanding of the power of our interceding with God for our loved ones and others. I am reminded of the words of the director of the Fatima Shrine here, David Carollo, about the essential meaning behind our Lord's visits, where he says, and I quote, 100 years ago, we were all given a mission to work tirelessly for the conversion of sinners and to make reparation for sin. The world, which was in turmoil, was given a choice continue on the course of confusion and destruction or follow a course of sanity and reparation. Many understood this and took up the mission of returning both themselves and the world to a way of life in accord with the laws of God. Many more, however, did not. And the bloody history of the prior century stands as a testimony to this. Fatima gives us a prescription for life. Where there is life, there is hope. And it is not too late to turn to God and respond generously to his entreaties to follow him. Our Lady pleads with us to do so. Unquote.
My dear friends, when Our Lady visited the three children at Fatima, she did not come to put on a show for herself, let alone a talk show. She came here to introduce to the world her son, or we might say reintroduce her son to the world, which seems to have forgotten her son's place in the world and his sacrifice of reparation to repair our relationship with God. At a homily that Pope Benedict XVI gave on the occasion of the 10th anniversary of the beatification of Francisco and Jacinta, the Pope said, we would be mistaken to think that Fatima's prophetic mission is complete. In other words, the appeal of Our Lady's message is as alive today as it was in 1917. The world still cries out for redemption, and it remains the desire of Our Lady that men turn their hearts to God in conversion of life. So Our Lady's sixth apparition to the children, she said this, and I quote, people must amend their lives and ask pardon for their sins. They must not offend our Lord anymore, for he is already too much offended. Unquote. And then at that sixth apparition, as you know, more than 100,000 people witnessed the miracle of the sun. What is meant by reparation? It is a word we don't usually use in our kitchens. Reparation, the word is gleaned from our term, our English word, to repair, uh, to fix, or to correct, to make up for, or to make whole again. In this sense, to repair our relationship with God, that's reparation. Notice, at every Mass, when we start out, we start out with statements of that needed repair with the use of the Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, or I confess to Almighty God. We acknowledge that we cannot begin to say anything to God in worship without recognizing our unworthiness through thoughts and words and, and deeds that contradict a graced relationship with God. Reparation, therefore, is the repairing or compensating for offenses committed against our Christian calling. In justice, but also out of love of God, we need to repair the harm we have done through acts of reparation. We try to compensate for that wrongdoing, the sin that has diminished ourselves, the sin that has hurt others, and damaged our relationship with God. We may also make reparation for the ways in which others have offended God. You notice a strong theme coming from the Blessed Mother in this regard, not just for ourselves, but for others. What a daunting task that is. Consider our daily regimen, our daily Catholic 
regimen, prayers and sacrifices, the daily rosary, communion of reparation with the five first Saturdays and other types of penance and mortifications, sufferings, a variety of slights and hurts and inconveniences that come our way. All of this aids in repairing these crimes that Mary speaks of. Uniting these with worship of the Holy Eucharist in the Mass and in prayerful adoration, we exercise Eucharistic reparation by way of the Fatima Catechesis. As you already know from your catechism instructions, the Mass is our highest form of worship in our Catholic tradition, uh, commemorating the sacrifice of our Lord for the salvation of many. Nothing can substitute for Eucharistic worship. The Eucharist is the Lord Christ, his body, blood, his soul, and his divinity. Each Mass contains a beseeching of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin. Therefore, to the altar, we should bring our most ardent petitions and intercessions for those we love, for those who ask our prayers in their behalf, and for the sins of the world. And this prayerful reparation we speak of can be as gut-wrenching and as arduous as St. Monica praying, at least seven years, they tell us, for the conversion of her wayward son, Augustine. And he converted, came to Christ after her acts of reparation. Our Lady wishes us to honor her son's sacrifice where she stood beneath the cross and watched in tears that day when her son's blood poured over the world. From that day forward, notice um, each and every canon of the Mass or the Eucharistic prayer recited by the priest. We pray for the departed souls and any and all others making their way in eternity toward God that their sins may be expiated by the graces of Jesus' sacrifice. Poor souls, as Our Lady described them, who have no one to pray for them. So, friends, think of the honor which is yours and mine to pray for others, to pray for the needs of the world in placing all of this on the altar attached to Jesus' sacrifice, the sacrifice where he made reparation for the sins of the world as, as he hung on the cross. The Holy Eucharist is a nourishing feeding by which we just digest in our bodies and souls the power of the ancient Passover from slavery to freedom from sin and death to victory 
and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The sacrament of the Eucharist is a sign of the prayerful communion of the whole church, each one of us to the other in Christ. Eucharist is the memory of sacrifice made in flesh and blood that God has used to save a sin-sick world. In the act of receiving, his divine substance commingles with our human substance. The living, breathing Jesus, not some imitation or symbol thereof. Eucharist is the life of Mary's son, made present and tangible right now in our midst. Eucharist is the love of God for the human race, poured out mysteriously in pain and, and great suffering. All this is Eucharist. Then I must ask you, do you know what it is you are receiving? St. Paul admonishes us in the New Testament that we must have an understanding of what it is we are receiving, otherwise we should not receive. We call condemnation to ourselves otherwise. Do not take it lightly or thoughtlessly or as some antique ritual that requires no further afterthought. Take it as solemnly as the people did who stood before Moses and allowed themselves to be showered by the blood of the animal sacrifices and incorporated into a covenant that held the power of life and death over their heads. Perhaps one advantage the ancients have over us is that they stood close enough to the altar to be splashed by blood reminding them of the seriousness of their commitment to God. So our decision to take the life of Christ into ourselves in reparation is that serious. It is mystery which we are fortunate to be a part of, redeemed as we are through our baptism in Christ. It is oftentimes said that today that we have lost a sense of the sacred, uh, that we have little to no patience for things that are mystical and, and beautiful and above our power to explain, that everything is simply profane and ordinary these days, that we have lost words to even speak of sacred things that our speech is coarse and peppered with profanity. Some people cannot speak the name of the Lord without cursing or mouthing some off-colored joke. Is there anything reverent anymore in modern life? You take the whole sacred part of God's creation, life itself, and a glaring message comes from our thoughtless ability to just throw it in a garbage can, whether it's before it's born or even when it's elderly. Uh, it's a frightening prospect. This is one of the crimes that the angel says that we are supposed to repair so that God can be consoled. 
Do we have any desire to understand better the God who is above us and at the same time with us? Can we understand the mysticism behind the seven sacraments that connect us with God? And see them more than just interruptions in our lifestyle when we have to get to a ball game. Along South Lakeshore Drive in Chicago where I live on a grassy uh, area right next to Lake Michigan, uh, sculptors have erected a 20-foot-some iron, silver-plated statue of a thin man with his head raised and his eyes looking upwards intently into the sky. Now, people stop to gaze at the statue, uh, joggers, bicyclists, passers-by, trying to interpret the statue in different ways as a man perhaps searching for God, a man counting the stars, a man saying his prayers, a man gazing upward at mystery and that which stirs up in him a sense of awe and reverence. When we come to church, you notice we do reverent thing to indicate our approach to the holy. Remember in the Bible when Moses had climbed the mountain of Sinai wanting to have a conversation with God about the suffering plight of his people. He discovered the Lord in a bush that was burning with fire but was not burning up or charred. And God spoke to Moses from the burning bush. It is said that today's monstrance that contains the large consecrated hosts for adoration is today's burning bush. That large host comes from the work of a priest of a previous mass. Each mass we bring forward bread and wine and God transforms them, changes them into his son's sacrifice. So they are no longer bread and wine but his son, his only begotten son, second person of the Blessed Trinity. So something takes place in that altar that is above us, something that only God can do. And we understand that this is not some mere religious symbol. None of this, none of this is pageantry or make-believe nor acting a play or some skit or anything of the sort, any more than the Lord's death on the cross was make-believe. And mind you, that tragic event on Calvary, what we call Good Friday, was by no means make-believe. What we have here is the living, breathing, forgiving Jesus, this is how close Jesus wished to be to us after he ascended to his Father. The Eucharist, as it was brought to the three children, and what is brought to us at every Mass, is a miracle beyond description. And so is God's mercy we petition for at every Mass 
for our sins and the sins of the world. There is a lot of repairing that needs to be done, as Mary perceives. Each Mass downloads to us the death of the Lord who delivered us from sin and opened for us the way to eternal life. Facing courageously his sacrifice for the remission of sins, we are able to make reparation for ourselves and others, to repair our relationship with God. So hopefully you can see that the Eucharist and the messages of Our Lady go hand in hand. And diligent as we are in following Our Lady's instructions, think of the intercessory power that we have attending Holy Mass and in prayer for reparation before the Eucharist and the monstrance and the adoration chapels of our, of our parishes. The light of God that Our Lady shined upon Francisco, Jacinta, and Lucia still lights the way for anyone who commits himself or herself to a life of faith in the gospel. And taken together with all other sacrifices and penances and sufferings that we work through voluntarily, may the Lord's body and blood given us at his supper, blessed, broken, transformed, lead all of us to hear the call to be God's people and Mary's children. Bring us blessing. Heal our sinful wounds and keep us ready, steadfast in service to our mother in heaven. God bless.